Good morning, everybody. Well, uh, good afternoon. It's 12.04. Good afternoon, everybody. Dang, y'all not even going to say good afternoon to me. That's, gosh, I know it's raining outside, but you can still say something. I am uh, excited to be with you guys this morning. Um, My name is Pastor Derek Parks. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here um, of Epiphany Church of Wilmington. So to our visitors, we say uh, welcome. We're so glad that you uh, decided to join us today on this wet, rainy day. Uh, so, but we're happy that you're here. Um, you know, rain gets a bad rap. I mean, people look at the rain and think it's dreary and wet and all that stuff, but there's no producing of fruit without the rain. Amen, somebody? If you don't got rain, you won't ever see any fruit. Uh, so we thank God for the rain today. Uh, and we ask God to rain on us. Amen. We want him to rain on us in our lives and to shower down on us because he is uh, a wonderful God and we need him. We need his presence. So uh, we started a new series last week called Pray On It. P-R-E-Y. Everybody enjoyed that beginning of the new series last week. We want to help to move you. From a passive position on prayer to a predatory position on prayer where you're attacking the challenges of life through prayer. You're not waiting for difficulty to come to start praying, but you are pursuing the Lord through prayer for change to come. Amen. So that's what we started out last week. Uh, we started this today. We had uh, our is our first day of our 21 days of prayer. So some of you were here this morning for prayer at at nine ish, nine thirty <laughs> this morning. I had the time confused uh, myself. So, um, but we'll be here next week at nine thirty on Sunday, uh, praying and seeking the Lord um, because we want to be close to Him. That's what this is all about. That's why we're doing 21 days of prayer. That's why I'm preaching a series on prayer. We want to be close to God, and the way that we do that is through prayer. Amen? Y'all awake? Y'all sleepy? A little bit. That's all right if you're sleepy. You can press your way, as the old church would say. Press on through. Amen. So I'm going to jump into this passage. I'll be in James chapter 5 today. James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18. And I'm going to tag this text today as pray with power. Pray with power. We'll have it up for you on the screens if you need it. It's James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18. Hear these words of our Father. says, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? They should sing songs. Is any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. 
verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is very powerful in its effect. King James says that it availeth much. I don't know what that means, but (laughs) it availeth much. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being just as we are. Yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. My mind. Then he prayed again and the sky gave rain and the land produced its fruit. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your word is powerful, Father. Severing the marrow from the bone, God, I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our souls. God, Lord, be with us today. Be in our presence, be in our midst, God. And as the word goes forth, God, we, when we hear this word, we might respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And God, it's in that same spirit that I pray that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I trust. And the whole church said, Amen. All right. See, the early church had little machinery. They didn't have all these lights and fancy keyboards and screens and all that stuff. They didn't have machinery, but they had power. I'll tell you the story of a young woman who worked in a large umbrella factory in Philadelphia. At the time, it was considered the largest umbrella factory in the world. I didn't know know there were umbrella factories, but I guess there has to be. Um, Everybody got an umbrella, so somebody got to be making them. Uh, One day, she said to her pastor in a discouraged manner, she says, Pastor, I'm going to have to hunt for a new job. I'm going to have to get on career builder and all that stuff and try to find a new job. Indeed, whatever y'all use now to find jobs. So the pastor says, what's the matter? Have they fired you? And she says, no, they, they, they didn't fire me. So he says, well, th- does the factory not have enough orders to keep going all the time? She said, no, that's not the issue. We've got plenty of orders. In fact, we have more orders than we can fill. So the pastor asked her, he said, well, what's the problem then? And she responded, she said, We have more orders than we can fill, but we don't have enough electricity to keep all the machines going at once. And my machine has to lay idle for part of the week, and I lose so much time and pay because of it that I must find a new job. She said the trouble with the factory is is that it has more machinery than it does power. Isn't that like our churches today? 
We've got more machinery and gimmicks and mechanisms than we have ever had in the history of the church. And yet we don't have any power. We don't see any revival today. We don't see people turning to Jesus in the thousands like they were at the beginning of the church where the Lord was adding to the number of the church, those who were being saved. So I want to submit this to us today. If we're going to move from a passive position on prayer, then we must pray with power. We must pray with power. If we're going to pray with power, then we have to first identify what the problems are around us. He says, if is anyone among you suffering? See, all of us have challenges that we face in our lives, and, and some of us have confidence problems. Uh, we don't believe God's promises concerning our lives. Uh, others of us have cognitive problems. We've got some stinking thinking, as they would say. Uh, most of us, if we're honest, we got some cash problems, uh, some cash flow problems, uh, because we, we either we, we don't have enough cash to make it through the end of the month, or we don't have enough money management to be able to handle the cash that we do have. So all of us have challenges that we're facing, uh, and our best response to those challenges, our best response to those problems is to pray. You don't believe me? James tells you right here, if anybody is sick among you, they should pray. See, one theologian wrote that the whole letter of James can be boiled down to this one sentence. We don't believe in the power of prayer. We don't believe in the power of prayers. And and since we don't believe in the power of prayer, this word for pray here, it, it, it means to offer up prayers. So because we don't believe in the power of prayer, we don't even offer up prayer. I told you last week that the, 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 that the biggest challenge in the church is not unanswered prayers, but unoffered prayers. We won't even offer up prayer to God. See, see, prayer is the best building, is the best offer that we can make for what God is building in our lives. Anybody bought a home? You gotta, you gotta make an offer to buy the home. And then oftentimes there's other people making offers on that same home that you're trying to buy. So you've got to make the best offer that you possibly can if you're going to make get the house built that you want to have built. And I'm submitting to you today that prayer is the best offer that you can make on what God is building in your lives. See, prayer is the perfect response to every single predicament that you might find yourself in. He says... If you anybody's sick, they ought to pray. Is anybody cheerful? They ought to sing songs. There's something about singing praises to God because we, we, we try to disconnect prayer from worship, but prayer is worship. And if we're praying, then we're worshiping. So there's no such thing as somebody who is who is who is praying that isn't worshiping. Anytime that you bow your knee before the, before the Father, you, you go before the throne of grace. That's an act of worship to him because you get before him and you say, Our Father who art in heaven, we lift your name up high. See, if anybody is sick among you, there is one of the most major health concerns in our generation has to do with a lack of energy. 
We're some of the most health conscious people in the history of the world. But yet, we're among the weakest. I read a study the other day that said millennial men, that means dudes in their 20s and 30s, are physically weaker than they have ever been at any point in the history of the world. We're, we're so quick to give up on things because we don't have the energy that is required in order to persevere and pray on the things that we desire. See, part of the problem is that we don't have the type of community around us that we need in order to persevere. See, most of us access three or four social networks right there on our phone, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that stuff. But we don't have anybody that we can call on for encouragement. So we jump on those social networks and we ask people to send us some positive vibes. Because we can't invite anybody into our life to help us pray through our prayer or through, through our plans. That's why he says if there's anyone that is among you that is sick, they are to call upon the elders of the church and they are to pray for you. What James is saying here, he's saying that you have to invite them into your life. That's what the word call means. It means to invite. So you must invite people into your life. See, we don't want nobody in our business. We don't want nobody to know what's going on with us. So we keep people at bay. We keep them at arm's length because, you know, I'm doing me. I'm doing my own thing. But James is saying, listen, if you're struggling, you better call on somebody. And if you're struggling, you better call on somebody and let them pray for you. See, they're to pray over you. Listen, if if they're going to pray over you, he's telling them, he says, listen, the prayer that they're going to pray for you is going to provide the freedom that you need from those circumstances that you find yourself in. So you've got to be willing to receive the community that's being offered to you so that you can find freedom from the bondage of doubt that is plaguing your mind and your ministry and your business ideas. So he's saying, listen, they're, they're to pray over you and anoint you with oil. See, this anointing here, it's this word that he's using here, it's, it's, it's the mundane, common word for anoint. It's not the, the special anointing word like most of us think, like people talk like, oh, I got an anointing on my life. Like, yeah, you do. It's a common anointing. Like, it's a regular one, like regular degular. It's not nothing special. It's just regular anointing. The special word for anointing, guess what? It's only used for Jesus in the New Testament. It's not used for regular folks. It's only used for Jesus' anointing. So the anointing that you have is a regular, regular anointing. You don't have no kind of special anointing on your life. It's just regular. Amen? So people have this misconception about the, the, the special anointing. But see, to have that mentality, here's what it does. It cheapens the efficacy of what anointing actually is in the scriptures. See, in the Old Testament, one of the main responsibilities of the shepherd was to protect the sheep. That's why David says in Psalm 23 uh, that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I have what I need. 
He lets me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the quiet waters. Then he goes on to say in that same psalm, he says, this shepherd of mine, who is the Lord, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup. It overflows. See, Part of protecting the sheep was protecting them from sickness and disease. I want you to stay with me on this. See, flies and insects, especially them flies, and flies is nasty. Flies and in other insects, they carried diseases. And they carried diseases and they would pester the sheep. You ever see sheep like at a farm, they always have flies around them and stuff. So it says the, the, the flies would fly in the eyes of the sheep and they would fly inside their noses and stuff like that. And it would infect the sheep with diseases. So one of the ways that the shepherd would protect the sheep was by anointing the sheep with oil. Particularly around its eyes and its mouth. He would just slather some oil on his nose and put some oil on his eye. And if you grew up in a, in a, in a, a church like I grew up in, they pour a whole handful of oil on their hand and they smack you in your head like that to pray for you. And they'd be dripping, running down the side of your eye and be like, Dad, what's going on right now? <laughs> but I want you to see this. It is the anointing that protects you during seasons of attack. See, when, when you are being anointed, you are being anointed. See, the, the way that anointing happens here is, is through the word of God. See, he wants you to anoint them with oil. And oil is anything that is used as fuel for lamps or for lights. So, on, 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 so for us to see this, we've got to see that the oil that we have to anoint people with is the oil of the word of God. That's why you need a pastor and that's why you need to be in a local church so that you can have a deposit of the oil of the word into your heart through the preaching of the word and the ministry of prayer so that the light that is on the inside of you can be fueled with the oil of the scriptures. Amen. So listen, he says, they'll anoint you with oil and the prayer of of the a prayer of faith will save the sick person. See, James says that the prayer here is going to save you, and it, the Lord will raise you up. So he's making a clear distinction that when you pray, the Lord is the one who's doing the action. The Lord is the one who's going to raise you up. See, people are like, I pray for him to get well, and they didn't get well. Well, the Lord is the one who does it. So James is saying here, do you want to be restored? Then you better pray. If you want to be renewed, you want to be preserved from danger, then you need to pray. The next thing we want to see is if we're going to be able to pray with power, then you must intercede. Verse 16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is very powerful in its effect. See, we find freedom from the challenges of life within the context of community. That's why we're starting up community groups again. 
you find freedom in the context of community. In fact, here he says that you will be healed or made whole or set free through the context of community. So James saying, pray for one another, that one another there is a community word. It's a word that signifies that people have to come around you, that people have to be near you and in, in your sphere if you're going to find healing from what's gripping you. So the healing that you need is found in community. And the freedom that you need is found in the prayers of those that you live woven with. Why would God do this? See, prayer for healing is full engagement with the reality of the kingdom of God being present on the earth. Here's what I mean. Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, in the kingdom, watch this, there is no more sickness or death. So if we are to truly pray with power, as it is, if we're truly to pray with power for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to believe that God can break through here the realities of the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. So when we pray for healing for one another, when we, when we pray that God would heal and remove sickness and disease from, from among us, we're praying in the reality, the eschatological reality that we believe that the kingdom of God will come here on the earth as it is in heaven. So we pray for each other. We pray with power and we've got to believe, as I told y'all last week, that we're the predator and not the prey. So we pursue after the problems and challenges of life with power through prayer. So prayer here, he says, the prayer of the, the, the righteous person is very powerful in its effect. The power of prayer because I want you to see this word here, this word for prayer is different than some of the other words that he's using in this passage. It's, it's interesting. He used so many different words. But this word can mean a petition or a request. But it also means a state of extreme poverty. So the power of prayer, of your prayer, is directly connected to the poverty of your need. See, we don't pray with power because we don't have enough poverty of need. We don't see God to grow our business because deep down on the inside, we believe that we can grow it ourselves. We don't pray for God to heal our marriages because we believe that our problems will go away through positive vibes and all that good stuff. See, we don't cry out to God for those who are lost to see them move from lost to saved and from saved to pastor. We don't cry out to God for them because we don't truly believe in the poverty of their need. We think they're okay because we think we're okay. But when you begin to truly believe in the poverty of your need, you're going to pray with power. See, you will begin to pray with power once you recognize your poverty. See, he says that the prayer of the righteous, see, righteous people are people who are always in need of God. 
They're not some people who are just out doing it on their own. Righteous people are people who need God. In fact, some of the most righteous people that you know, guess what you'll find them doing all the time? You'll find them praying. You'll find them pursuing after God. One of my buddies in college, in seminary, he was, in my opinion, one of the most godly dudes I'd ever met. And every time I would go to find him, I go knock on his door and he'd be like, he's not here. I'm like, well, where's he at? They'd be like, well, he went down on his walk to go to the lake and pray. I'm like, this brother is good. Like, he loved Jesus. He knows his Bible. Like, why he always going down to that lake? Like, what's up with him? Clearly, I was young in, in my faith at that time because I would have knew the answer to that. <laughs> but listen, it says that righteous. I'm telling you that righteous people are people who are always in need of uh, need of God. Righteous people are, are people who are always aware of the poverty of their need. So they're pursuing after God. It says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful. See, this word for powerful means it's, it's the word where we get our word energy from. And it means to be active or to be mighty in or to, to, to be operative toward. So at our community day two years ago, we had three moon bounces. Anybody remember this? We had three moon bounces. But we could only get two of them to work at the same time. We could never get that third one connected to stay up. And when we plugged it into the generator, even though we had them all plugged into the generator, that that third one just would not stay up. And when, when it would go up, the other one would go down. So we're racking our brains about how to get it done. And we, we never figured it out. So we had the generator, which was the, the source of the power. And we had the cords, the extension cords plugged into the generator, uh, but it, it, it would short circuit every single time. So this year I, I said, hey, we need to figure this out before uh, we get these moon bounces. So I called the guy who owned the generator and the moon bounces who, who rented them to us. And I said, hey, buddy, uh, last year we were trying to get this thing working and it just wouldn't work out for us. So he told me, he said, well... There's a special kind of connector cable inside the toolbox that you need to connect the extension cords to correctly in order to have the power source supply the right type of energy that you need in order for all three of the moon bounces to work. And he said, he says, you can have all the cables plugged in, but if you don't have the proper connector tool, you won't be able to access the power that you need. All I'm trying to say, tell us, church, is that if you don't utilize the proper connector tool that you need to have access, you won't have access to the power that you need. You can have all the degrees and strategies and business plans and communication skills and savvy that you want. But if you're not using the right connecting tool, you will never have the power that you need. And listen at this that connecting tool is called prayer see god has given you a tool that you need to access his kingdom on the earth and it's called prayer if we don't use that tool that he gave us if we don't use that weapon of spiritual warfare that he gave to us then we won't have access to the power that we need to do the thing that he's calling for us to do so listen 
if we're going to pray with power, then you've got to act. See, Scripture says here that in verse 17, it says, Elijah was a human being just as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. I'll be praying that I find a dollar on the ground (laughs) and it don't be working. This dude prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years and the rain didn't come. I'm saying that jokingly. But it says, here's why. It says that he prayed earnestly. See, this this word earnestly, it literally means here. It literally means, this is what it means. It says that he prayed with prayer. What does that mean? That, That sounds weird. See, some of us pray with strategy, not prayer. See, and God says that your prayers must be addressed to my wisdom, my knowledge, my understanding, and my will, and not your own. See, when I be praying to find a dollar on the street, I be praying because I need some money for me. I don't be praying that I find a dollar on the street so that I can do the Lord's will with that dollar. No, I be praying, Lord, help me come across a $100,000 on the side of the road so that I can get the type of situation that I want to have when I want to have it. But but James is saying to us, he's saying, listen, Elijah, he prayed with prayer. He prayed towards God. He offered a prayer towards God in his wisdom and his knowledge. And when he prayed earnestly, he prayed that way because he knew he could pray with power, knowing that he was the predator and not the prey. See, Elijah was coming. They had so many people coming up against him and he, people were rising up against him. And all the prophets uh, of Jeth- all, the, all those prophets and, and, he, and all that stuff was going on in his life. And he says, listen, I need to pray to show these people that my God is powerful, that my God is strong, that my God is wise, and that he's all, that he is everything. I'm going to pray that the rain won't come for three years and so that they can see the power of my God. Look at this. The power of prayer begins with a word from the Lord. First Kings 17, verse one through six says this. It says, now, Elijah, the Tishbite, from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain for the next few years, except at my word he didn't want them to have no water at all he said it won't rain or have no dew like dag elijah that's beat and watch this it says then the word of the lord came to him leave here and turn eastward and hide at the wadi cherith a <laughs> where it enters the Jordan and you are to drink from that wadi I have commanded and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there see 
Elijah knew that the power of prayer started with the with a word from God. If you're going to access the power of prayer, guess what you need to be? You need to be in your word. You've got to know what the scriptures say in order to pray the scriptures back. You've got to know what the scripture promises in order to access the promises that scripture has for you. Next, you have to know that the power of prayer continues regardless of what you see. Turn to 1 Corinthians 18, uh, verse 43 through 44. He says this, go and look forward. Go and look toward the sea. Elijah's telling his servant that. And he went up and he looked and there was nothing there. And seven times Elijah told him, go back and look. And it wasn't until the seventh time that his servant had reported that I see a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising up from the sea. And Elijah said, go ahead and tell Ahab and and pitch your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. For three and a half years, there was no rain at all. There wasn't even a sign of rain because Elijah was praying that there wasn't going to be no dew or nothing. There wasn't even a sign of rain. And Elijah and, and, and Elijah's command, he said that the rain came back and all he could see as his servant went out, all he could see was a small little cloud the size of a man's hand. See, the power of prayer continues regardless of what you see. See, when you oftentimes we get to praying and we say, Ain't, there's nothing happening. There's nothing going on. I've been praying and praying and asking God. I've been asking God to do this for me and he's not moving. There's nothing happening. And, and, and we confuse ourselves and we think that God's not good because not God's not answering our prayers in the time manner that we want him to answer our prayers. But Paul says in Corinthians, he says we walk by faith and not by sight. See, the power of prayer continues regardless of what you see. That's why we're going to persist through these 21 days of prayer until God moves. And we may not see things happening at first, but we've got to know and have confidence in the fact that God will do what he said he would do. And we're praying that God would save people. We're praying that God would save lost folks, get them in this church so they can get pastored. And they get them in here pastors so they, they can get trained, so they can get mobilized on mission, so that they can go on the block and grab some other folks up. That's what we're praying, y'all. See, next then, the power of prayer goes from small beginnings to a grand finale. Verse 45 and 46 says, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Then it says this. It says, the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak in his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. See, what looks like a small beginning 
is actually a grand finale in God. God is working in your life, whether you can see it or not. See, God working in your life. Here's why God working in your life has nothing to do with you. God is working and moving in your life simply because he's good. He's working and moving in your life simply because he has a plan for your life. That's why Zechariah tells us, don't don't despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We've got to be moving and working in the Lord, regardless of whether or not we see things happening the way we want them to happen. I'm trying to tell y'all, we got to pray with power. And sometimes power looks like, Holding your seat when you don't see happening what you think should be happening. Sometimes power looks like reserving yourself, even when difficulty is swirling around your head. We think power is always we're going to get something and we're just going to do it and it's going to happen. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. But sometimes power is holding your seat until God moves. It says that Elijah, he prayed again. And the Lord gave rain. And the land produced its fruit. See, prayer is the germination agent for the fruit that God wants to bring forth in your life. So don't be passive. Pray on it. I'll close with this idea. Our word strength comes from a word that signifies being twisted together. So when we say that the Lord is the strength of my life and that God is the strength of my heart, what we're in fact saying is, is that we are twisted together with the Lord. We're saying that my soul and the spirit of God are like two strands twisted together with one of them being infinite. So that the weakest part won't fail. So when we are relying on the Lord to be our strength, when we are relying on the power of prayer, we must know that we're relying on one who is infinite and has all power. See, oftentimes when we pray, we act like we're praying to some weakling. Oftentimes when we pray, we act like we're praying to somebody who can't hear and doesn't know exactly what we need in order for us to do the thing that he's calling for us to do. Oftentimes when we pray, we pray like we've got some weak, wimpy God who's sitting up in heaven, pulling out his hair, trying to figure out what's going to happen in this situation. Oh my goodness, what do I do? We don't serve a God like that. We serve a God who's powerful. We serve a God who's mighty. We serve a God who is infinite. And we serve a God who has all power in his hand. So listen, the purpose of us doing all this prayer stuff, the purpose of us having all these new rhythms of prayer and establishing these things is so that we can have the strength that we need by being twisted together with Christ. 
You know what that twisting together is? That's when you when, when something's all twisted up. When those cables and wires and stuff get twisted up, you you wrap your your headphones up and put it in your pocket, and you try to pull it out, and it's all twisted and tangled up. They're pretty close. Those cords, you got to try to get your finger in there and like try to wiggle this stuff out. That's my prayer for us: is that we be all twisted up with Jesus. That we'd be all twisted up with God, that we'd be intimate with him through these new prayer rhythms, that we would be bound up together with God so that when when difficulty comes in our life, we don't have to shake and falter because we have one connected to us that is more powerful than any circumstance that we might ever come up against. Just like they were on that boat and the storm was coming and Jesus was just chilling, sleeping. And they were freaking out. And Jesus comes up and he says, peace be still. Told the winds to chill out. We serve a mighty God, a powerful God. And we want to pursue him through prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your word is powerful and mighty, God. Lord, may we... Access that through the power of prayer. Lord, would you, in the next weeks, in the next 21 days, God, teach us how to pray. But oftentimes we don't pray because we don't know how. God, I pray that you would teach us to pray. Teach us to pursue after you. Teach us to dive into the realities of your word, God. Where you said that if we ask, that you'll give to us. If we seek, we'll find. And if we knock, then the door will be open to us. God, help us to know the reality that through seeking you in prayer, God, that We come to know a full relationship with you, God, one that's deep and life-giving, God. Help us to dive into that. God, I pray that there's any other sound of my voice, God, that don't know you. God, that they would pursue hard after you, God, like a predator pursues its prey. And that they might come to you seeking What must I do to be seen? God, we pray that today with power, knowing that you will answer because it's in your plan and your will for many and any to come to know you. So God, would you do it today? Hear our cries, God. Hear the prayers of our heart as we seek you. God, to move in our lives through the power of prayer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things with thanksgiving.